Thank you for checking out the City Church Podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Hey, I really believe that God's going to move this morning. And I'm excited for him to speak, and, and I'm really looking forward to speaking to you. It's an awesome day to be in church. I can't think of a better place to be right now than right here in the presence of God, and I really believe that he is going to share and speak to us in a mighty and a powerful way. As Pastor Brent just mentioned, my name is Luke Bedger, and it really is a privilege to be able to pastor at Slate Church in Waterloo, and we love what God is doing there. In September, actually, just about a month from now, we turn two years old as a church, and as uh, Pastor Brent said, we've gone to two locations and five services, and God is just doing something absolutely amazing. But, you know, we really believe that the best is still yet to come for us as a church. We're so excited for what God is going to continue to do in our church. We can't wait to see what all that is. But just before I go any further in this message, I just need to take a moment And I need to give some honor where some honor is due. And I need to take a moment and honor your lead pastors, okay? Because, listen, I don't know if you realize it, but you have some of the best pastors in the entire world right here at the City Church. And so often, listen, it's easy to take for granted what we have, but you got to make sure that you do not do that because your pastors, Pastor Brent and Nicole, are incredible, incredible pastors, and you should know that we look up to them so, so much, and there's pastors all across North America, all across the world, who are looking to your example as a church and the example of your pastor. So, Pastor Brent, thank you so much for who you are, man. Thank you for being an incredible man of God, being faithful, for setting an example, a person of integrity. I agree. I'm so thankful that God has just brought this together. And we are learning so much from you day after day after day. And we praise God for you. Honestly, we do. At Slate Church, we talk about you guys all the time. We're so thankful for you. So, once again, come on, let's give it up for your pastors. Amen. Amen. Well, come on, let's get into it this morning. And listen, I'm going to need you to help me preach today, okay? Is that all right? I'm going to need you. I'm going to preach better if you help me preach. And so that means if I say something good, you feel free. You can say amen. All right? You can say that's good. You can say come on. You can say preach it. You can say what, what, one, of my, uh, what one of my Bible college teachers said. He used to say pop the clutch. Okay? You feel free pop the clutch. If there's something good, you just, you just yell that back at me. It's going to make me preach even better. Okay. I promise you it will. And, but how many people know when we say that, when we say amen together, it's not just charismatic hype, right? What, the, what amen actually means is let it be. And I think there's something so powerful when together as a unified body of believers, we declare, let it be over God's word. I think there's something so amazing when we're united over that together. And so when we say amen together, let it unite us around what God is saying to us through his word. When we say, let it be. And the Bible says that where there is unity, God commands his blessing. And so I'm really believing that God's going to speak. Let's lean in today. Let's really recognize that God's presence is here with us. Let's stir up our own faith. Let's lift our level of expectation for what God can do in this place. I believe that he wants to meet you right where you're at, uh, right where you're at. I believe he wants to speak to you this morning. You got to know God's got a call in your life. 
He's got an incredible call that's so dynamic, that's so influential, that I believe it's going to shake the foundations of this nation. And listen, I believe that as you respond to that call this morning that God has on you, I believe you don't have to stand with the multitudes of people who are living in the what could have been in life, but through faith, you can be a part of ushering in the what has never been in the name of Jesus. So let's lean in. Let's get ready for what God wants to say. I believe that he wants to speak speak to us today. And we're going to begin by turning to the book of Proverbs. And we're going to start today by reading Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 8. You can turn with me there in your Bibles. If not, you can follow along with me on the screen. Do you know that the Bible is the most sold book in the world? It's also the most stolen book of all time. It's also the most smuggled book of all time. It's the most controversial book of all time, but it's God's word and it's living and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's totally relevant to us today in the year 2019. And I think it's so good that we read our Bibles. You know, we want to be a biblically literate church where we're, uh, we know what it is that we're actually getting excited about every single Sunday. And so it's great for us to turn into our Bibles week after week, not only in church, but at home, right? So let's read Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 8. It says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Why don't we pray together this morning? Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are here with us in this place right now. And we just pray that you would speak to us and that above all else today, that your name would be glorified. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, how many people know that oftentimes in life there's a large gap between our expectation and our reality? Isn't that true? Perhaps you've experienced this it, this summer and you expected to have an incredible day at the beach, but the reality was your car broke down on the way there, right? Maybe you expected to have an amazing barbecue, but you left the burgers on the grill a little too long and it just felt like you were eating charcoal or something like that, right? Those are both things that happened to me this past week, by the way, just saying. And uh, uh, there's sometimes this large gap in our lives between our expectation and our reality. If you're anything like me, you might set your expectations really high, perhaps way too high in life, and the reality that you're met with doesn't quite live up to it. You know, this has been happening to me lately every time I go to the movies, okay? Does anybody love to go to the movies? How good is it? Go see a good movie. I think it's amazing. And lately, my movie-going experience has been greatly enhanced by something that's called the VIP cinemas, okay? <laughs> Praise God. Pop the clutch. Come on. How good is VIP cinemas? You know what I'm talking about? I love going to the VIP theater because it's unlike any other movie watching experience, right? They've got this huge seat that you sit in. It's so comfortable. Uh, there's all kinds of room between you and the person beside you. There's a button you press and you start to recline in that seat and your feet start to go up. You know what I'm talking about, okay? It, 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 it's worth the price of admission just for a good nap in those chairs, honestly. Uh, I'm telling you. And um, 
It's just this incredible experience. The best thing is that there's all these people who work there at the theater. You don't even know, need to go and buy your own popcorn, okay? Like, you just do one of these. Like, you just kind of wa wave your hand over. And, and, and instantly, somebody just shows up. Boom. What can I do for you? What would you like? Whatever you need. And you've got this menu. It's like, well, uh, can I have popcorn? Yeah, you can have popcorn. You don't only have to get popcorn. You can get burgers. You can get nachos. You can get full meals. Whatever you want to get, I will go get it for you. You just have to pay. But I'll go get it for you. And uh, it's like this is amazing. Well, yeah, okay, I'll take some nachos. That sounds pretty good. And they go, and next thing you know, they come in with nachos on a platter, and they put them down, and you're reclined, and it's the best experience you've ever felt in your entire life. The only problem is that it has totally wrecked my movie-watching experience for the nine times out of ten where I go to the regular theater, okay? And now my expectation going into the regular theater is the VIP experience. But the reality is not the same. And I first realized this when you walk in and your shoes are sticking to the floor because there's all this spilled pop and everything is gross and you're walking and you're like this doesn't feel quite right something's wrong and then you get in your seat and you know, all of a sudden now when I'm in my seat in the regular theater I'm mad I'm mad that I have to sit so close to the people beside me right and now I'm fighting for the armrest and I'm upset I'm sitting meanwhile my wife is the one sitting beside me right it's like this, this is like this is so strange and uh so I'm sitting there, and, and, uh, and I'm upset. I'm upset that my knees hit the seat in front of me. I can't stretch my feet out. I'm upset that I can't recline my chair, even though I'm trying to push the chair back, and it's not reclining. And I'm upset that there's nobody there to take my order, right? But that doesn't stop me from trying. Oftentimes in the theater, there's one employee standing on the front, usually like a 14-year-old kid who doesn't want to be there. And I'm, like, looking at this kid, like, waving at him, trying to get him to come on over. Like, could you go get me some popcorn, right? Could you get me a burger from somewhere? And, you know, he's just kind of looking up at me like, this guy's a lunatic. Like, what's the matter with this guy, right? And the, the expectation and the reality, they don't line up for me anymore when I go to the movie. Please pray for me, City Church, please. I, I need your prayers. But oftentimes in life, this is the truth for us, isn't it? Where the reality of our lives is different to the expectation that we have over our lives. Perhaps where you expected success, you have been met with failure. Perhaps where you expected uh, to be married, you've been met with singleness. Perhaps where you expected to have children, you've been trying and it hasn't been working out for you. Perhaps where you expected your marriage to be happier, things have been difficult in this season. And, and we need to, I really think, in these moments of life where our reality does not reflect our expectation, we actually need to decide, am I going to try and take control of this situation and make it work according to my strength, or am I going to release this to God and lean into him and trust him to get me through this according to his strength? See, are we going to give it to him? Are we going to surrender it to him? Are we going to recognize that although things might not be working out the way we thought that things should be working out in our lives, according to what we had in mind, are we going to recognize that God is still at work in our lives? And we need to declare over ourselves. We need to declare in whatever situation, in whatever circumstance we might be facing in our lives, we need to declare day after day, this belongs to God. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write that down as the title for my message, all right? Write that down. This belongs to God. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, you've got issues. Why don't you turn to your other neighbor and tell him, you've got issues too. Come on, we've all got issues, don't we? <laughs> 
I see some spouses nodding much harder. We've all got issues. We've all got problems in our lives. We've all got things that we're dealing with, stuff that we're facing. And sometimes the problems are huge. They're these big, insurmountable things, and we don't know how we're going to get through these things. Other times the problems are small, but it seems like there's so many small problems going on in our life that we still can't possibly get through these things. And even in the midst of our problems, we need to remember that although life might not be working the way that we would want it to work out in every situation, although we're facing some problems, God still has a promise for us. See, 2 Peter 1 verse 4, it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You know, God is making a way forward for us. God loves us, and we are created in his image. Matthew tells us in his gospel that he will give us rest. Romans tells us that overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. And although we face problems in life, we need to be very careful to not let the problems eclipse the promise. We can do this so often where the problem begins to eclipse the, eclipse the promise in our lives. But instead, we need to look at our problems and look at our issues and look at some of the current realities of our life through a lens of faith that says, declares over our situation the words of Romans 8.31 that says, what then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to our problems? What then shall we say to the difficulties, to the things that we don't know how to navigate, when we don't know how to do it in our own strength? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This problem that's in front of me, this belongs to God. This sickness that's in my body, this belongs to God. That setback in my life, this belongs to God. These bills I have that I don't know how I'm going to pay, and I don't know I'm freaking out about it, this belongs to God. My future, and I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate school, this belongs to God. When life seems to be against us and things aren't going our way, we need to declare this belongs to God. And we need to turn that setback into a setup for God to do the miraculous in our lives. I love the verses from Proverbs that we read earlier in the sermon. Proverbs 3 verse 5 tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And you know, it's a pretty nice verse to read, isn't it? It's probably on a lot of bookmarks. Maybe it's on a bookmark in your Bible. I don't know. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice Bible verse to read and, and everything. And it's easy to read this verse, but it's another thing to actually live this out. See, it's easy to sit here in church and, and say, yes, I'm going to trust God. But then we get to the part where it says, trust God with all your heart. And suddenly it's not so easy. Because if you're anything like me, you might say, well, God, I'm willing to trust you with some of the little things in my life. That's fine. I can release that to you. But there are many other things in my life. God, my finances, my marriage, my direction, my future, uh, all of these things. I'm just going to hold on to that myself. I'd rather take control of those things and I'll make it work. I don't want to have to trust you in this. I'm just going to do it myself because I can really trust myself better than I can trust you. And I just want to hold the control and I feel like I'm going to be better off if I do that. But the book of Proverbs, it's telling us that we need to trust God with all 
our hearts, not just with a piece of our heart, not just with the piece of our heart that's the most convenient at any given time or the easiest, but it says trust God with all of our hearts. We need to allow God to speak to us, to speak to us through his word, to open up doors for us. We need to follow his way because his ways are greater for our lives than our way. We need to trust God with all our hearts because all of our hearts belong to God. And notice it says we need to trust God with all of our hearts. Sometimes we like to only trust God with our minds, don't we? We, we, we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with my mind. And maybe we intellectually say to ourselves, okay, that's fine. I trust God. We tell ourselves we trust God. But we tell ourselves over and over again. But when all is said and done, more has been said than done. And we need to go beyond this. For every situation that comes our way, we need to declare this belongs to God. We need to cultivate this deep trust from the bottom of our hearts that is core to our very being, a deep reliance and a settled confidence in his care and his faithfulness to his word. This belongs to God, and I trust him with all my heart. And by the way, we do this by reading his word. We do this by going to church. We do this by praying. We, we learn to trust in God when we worship him. Right? How many people know that we worship God not to remind him of who he is, Right? God's not in heaven having an identity crisis, okay? We're, we're not singing, God, what a powerful name it is. And he's in heaven thinking, is my name really powerful? He knows his name is powerful. We don't worship God to remind him of who he is. We worship God to remind us of who he is, that he is powerful, that he's greater than whatever situation we may be facing or whatever it is that we're going through. And we can declare this belongs to God. The proverb goes on to tell us to lean not on your own understanding. Again, this is something that makes a lot of us uncomfortable because as humans, we don't like things that we don't understand, do we? I don't. I don't like things that I don't understand. You know, uh, my wife, Victoria, and I, we've been married for seven years now, and every single day I am learning that there are a lot of things about marriage that I totally do not understand, all right? Can any married couples agree with me? Amen. Preach it. That's good. Amen. Pop the clutch. That's good. <laughs> Every day I'm learning that there are things I don't understand. One lesson I had to learn recently uh, in marriage is that when I go to the mall with my wife and we go shopping and she tries on a new pair of jeans and comes out of the change room and she says to me, how do you think these jeans look on me? I have learned in this moment, I cannot just do what I have done in the past, which is look at her and smile and say, they look fine, Right? This is not the response that I'm able to take with my wife because when I say that, she says, okay, so you're saying I shouldn't get them and that they don't look good. And I'm like, no, no, I actually am pretty sure I said the exact opposite of that. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about here. And next thing I know, we're driving in the car on the way home without the jeans and we're not talking to one another, okay? And I don't know how I got to that place. But uh, what I have learned now, my understanding, I have been enlightened, I have learned uh, through experience that my reaction when my wife comes out out of the change room with a new pair of jeans on and she asked me, how do you think these look? I have to go like this. Whoa! I have never seen a pair of jeans that look this good. I mean, were these custom made for you? This is the best. You have never looked better in the entire history of the entire world. This is the best pair of jeans I've ever seen in my life. I'm calling everybody over from the store. Call all the friends over, all our family over. You got to see these jeans. This is what I have learned I now need to do. But it only came from a whole lot of frustrated experiences 
from a lack of understanding what I actually had to do. And we don't like when we don't understand things. It makes us uncomfortable. We don't want to have to deal with that which we do not understand. I think that our dislike of things that we don't understand, it really stems from a, a desire that we just seem to innately have as humans that says, I want to be in control. And if I don't understand something, I cannot be in control. If I don't understand this, how can I possibly make the best decision for my future going forward? But Proverbs tells us to lean not on our own understanding, but instead to trust in God. And we need to be reminded again and again and again and again that if we are wise, we will follow what God says is right and we won't set up our own finite, limited, very often uh, mistaken understanding against his. Because God sees the whole picture. He sees the beginning and he sees the middle and he sees the end of it all. And we need to learn to trust God in new ways, in deeper ways than we have before. And instead of trying to figure out every situation on our own, everything that we're coming up against in life, every dead end, every uh, road closed, instead of trying to force these things to work on our own, we need to declare that this belongs to God. Because as we do, He will make our paths straight. Praise God. You know, many of you will be familiar with the story of Joshua. This is one of my favorite books, one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. And the book of Joshua is in the Old Testament, which is the part of the Bible that looks forward towards the life of Jesus. And Joshua was tasked with leading the nation of Israel into the promised land, the land that God had given to them. And finally, after years of wandering in the wilderness, Joshua was going to lead the nation to take hold of the promise But there was just one problem, (laughs) and that is that the promised land was filled with all these other people groups that the Israelites would have to defeat in order to take hold of the promise that God was giving to them. They had to defeat the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Cellulites. Uh, (laughs) Come on, that's the worst enemy of them all. (laughs) But the first enemy that they had to defeat was at a place called Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city. I was reading in one commentary that it is perhaps considered the oldest known example of a city on earth. And God commanded Joshua that in order to take hold of this city, they needed to march around this city for seven days. And on the seventh day, they needed to march around it seven times. And once they had done that, the priests would blow in their trumpets and the Israelites would lift up a shout and the walls of Jericho would come falling down. Now listen, as far as great military strategies go of all time, the strategies of Napoleon or Alexander or Winston Churchill or whoever, uh, this strategy doesn't seem all that great, does it? (laughs) I mean, walking around the walls of a fortified city uh, and then just like screaming at it, like, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's going to do a whole lot, right? I would be thinking like, hey, where's like the weapons and where's the brute force and when are we going to storm the city gates? What is going on here? Uh, But Joshua, he had great faith and he didn't let the problem eclipse the promise. Joshua knew that with man, this is impossible. It is. You can shout at uh, a building all you want in your own strength. It's probably not going to fall down. But he knew that with God, all things are possible. And Joshua knew this belongs 
to God. Joshua knew this battle belongs to God. This city belongs to God. The victory that's on the other side of this battle, that too belongs to God. And so he was obedient and he trusted God with all his heart. And he leaned not on his own understanding, but instead he relied on the direction that God had revealed to him. And on that seventh day, the nation lifted up a shout and the walls of Jericho came crashing down and God was glorified in this. Now, I'm not sure what type of problem you might be facing right now, but it too belongs to God, even though it might seem impossible to overcome. Can I encourage you to not rely on your own strength or your own understanding, but in this declare, this belongs to God. And I believe that as you do, as you lean into him, I believe that God is going to make a way where it seemed like there was no other way, that the walls of whatever are blocking your direction are going to come crashing down in the name of Jesus, and you are going to step forward into the victory that exists for you which also belongs to God. And one thing that I, I love about this story so much is that for every one of those six days that they were walking around the walls of Jericho, they saw nothing happening. They were just marching around and they were walking around and nothing was going on. I mean, wouldn't it have been nice if like maybe a top layer of brick fell off that wall or something? <laughs> but nothing was happening. They were walking around the walls of Jericho. And it's hard to trust God in moments like this, isn't it? When we feel like we're doing what God has called us to do, we're going to church, we're praying, we're reading our Bible, we're, we're being obedient, we're, we've joined a team, we've been doing all of these different things, but the problem is still there. And it just looks like nothing is happening. And it looks like we're not making any forward progress in our lives. But listen, church, just because you can't perceive it doesn't mean that God isn't working on your behalf in the background. You know... For five years after bamboo is planted, nothing happens. It looks on the outside like very little is happening, but under the surface, that bamboo is establishing this deep and healthy system of roots. And all of a sudden, after five years' time, bamboo shoots up 90 feet in six months. Come on, when your daily life belongs to God, when you spend time reading his word, when you spend time in prayer, when you go to church, when you're faithful, when you're being obedient, even though it might feel like nothing is happening in your life, there is a foundation of faith that is being laid. There is a deep and healthy root system that is being established. You are becoming rooted in Christ. John 15 says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And suddenly in a moment, just like the walls of Jericho, that problem that you were facing is overcome and suddenly you step into all who God is calling you to be and everybody points to you and they call you an overnight success but the reality is you made an intentional decision day after day after day to daily say this belongs to God every single day this belongs to God every single situation this belongs to God and listen whether you receive the promise on this side of eternity or the next this still belongs to God now please hear, hear me correctly when I say this because saying this belongs to God it is not some sort of reason it's not some sort of excuse it's not some sort of uh, cop-out for inaction on our part Right? It doesn't just mean that you go home today and you look at that stack of bills that's sitting there on your desk and you say, it's okay, this belongs to God, right? <laughs> no, because that debt belongs to you. Guess what? <laughs> 
That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just inaction uh, on our part. But what I'm saying is as we declare this belongs to God, we can make sure that our actions line up with God's word, that our actions line up with God's direction, that our actions are working for the glory of God from a position of faith and not for the glory of us from a place of pride. And I want to encourage you that in order to say this belongs to God over whatever circumstance, whatever situation you're facing, you must first know that you belong to God. You need to be able to declare, I belong to God, before you can say, this belongs to God. Psalm 100 verse 3, it says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. First John 3, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See, when we know that we belong to God, we know that we're not alone. We know that God is for us. We know that God is with us. We know that God has plans and purposes for us. And we know that the situations we might face in life will not overcome us because God is on our side. He is with us. And we can declare this belongs to God. And whether you believe in him or not, he believes in you. And he's got a plan for you. And he's got a direction and a great and incredible future for you. That future that belongs to God. Just last year, there was a man named Dennis McQuaggy who won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work in the Congo helping women who have been abused by rebels there. And he's a doctor and he has helped thousands and thousands of women, sometimes performing up to 10 operations a day, working 18-hour days. He truly is a hero. He is so deserving of the Nobel Peace Prize. And Dennis McQuaggy, along with being a doctor, is also a pastor. Dennis attended a Bible school in the Congo that was started by a Swedish missionary. And this Swedish missionary left his life in Sweden, and he stepped out in faith into all that God was calling him to do to plant this Bible school in the Congo. And in the first year of the Bible school operating, there were 12 students. They were 17-year-old young men, 12 students who went through this course at the Bible school. And what a victory that is. What an incredible thing to celebrate for this missionary who left his home to do this. Amazing start. But the government wasn't happy that all these young men were getting an education in the Bible. And the government, which was corrupt, killed all 12 of these young men in front of this missionary who started the Bible school. The missionary was totally traumatized. He left. Because of it, he lost all of his hair. He was so traumatized because of what had happened to him and to these young men. And he went back to Sweden trying to cope with what he was going through. But his faith was so strong and the calling was so real on his life that he went back to the Congo and he reopened this Bible school in what is an incredible example of a this belongs to God kind of faith. And when this Bible school reopened, a young man enrolled and his name was Dennis McQuaggy. And I love the faith of this Swedish missionary because as he stepped back into this calling that was on his life, realizing that even in the middle of a difficult situation that this belongs to God, he stepped back into this and started it up again. Little did he know that through his faithfulness, a future Nobel Peace Prize winner would be educated and given a foundation for a future ministry that would change and impact the lives of thousands, if not millions of people across this world. 
Dennis McQuaggy, he went through the Bible college, and after that, he went to medical school, and his medical school was paid for by the Swedish Pentecostal movement. The Swedish missionary who had started this Bible college had a brother, and his brother also was a missionary and went to the Congo, and his brother opened a hospital. And when Dennis was finished with his medical school, he went and worked with his other brother in the hospital, and they worked together there for more than 30 years. Fast forward to 2018, and Dennis McQuaggy receives the Nobel Peace Prize at a ceremony that always takes place in Stockholm, Sweden. And the Swedish missionary who built the hospital was invited to come and join Dennis for the ceremony and the Nobel dinner after that. Now, for the years that this Swedish missionary had built this hospital and followed God's call on his life, he paid a high price in that his whole family, his, his children, his daughters, they, they left the church and they left their faith and, and they were running away from that. And well, Dennis and this Swedish missionary were having dinner at the Nobel dinner, surrounded by celebrities and dignitaries and royalty and renowned scientists. Here was Dennis McQuaggy and he said to the Swedish missionary, let's pray right now for your daughters because I have a faith that they will come back to Jesus. And right then and there at the Nobel dinner, they prayed because Dennis knew that this too belongs to God. And I love that this story, what I love about this story is that the two Swedish missionaries are actually my wife Victoria's great uncles. And I've sat with these men, and I've talked to these men, and I've heard their stories time and time again. And it's incredible to hear uh, of their faith and the way that they live their lives with a this-belongs-to-God kind of faith. And although this is something that, uh, as humans, we can't even comprehend, they would lean in to what God was doing and the calling of God on their life. They are truly heroes of the faith. And every step of the way, we see examples of ordinary people doing extraordinary things in this story. The Swedish missionary starting a Bible school in the Congo is saying this belongs to God. An incredible thing. We see him returning to run that Bible school after witnessing his students murdered in front of his eyes. But he said this belongs to God. The other Swedish missionary taking a leap of faith and building a hospital. This belongs to God. Dennis McQuaggy helping thousands and thousands of women who have been harmed by rebels. This belongs to God. Winning the Nobel Peace Prize. This belongs to God. Praying for this man's daughter to come back to faith. This belongs to God. These were not just things that could have been overcome by human ambition, but it required a faith and a relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. It required trusting in God with all their hearts and leaning not on their own understanding. It required in all their ways submitting to Jesus, and he made a way through them, for them, and through them. This entire world has been impacted. Come on, I believe that whatever season you may be getting ready to step into in your life that you can declare and begin declaring it this morning that this belongs to God that the next season you're about to step into belongs to God and as you declare that over your life you better get ready to hold on to your seat because I believe that God is going to use you to do things and to impact the lives of people who you don't even know and I believe that the impact is going to be extreme and that there will be people who will come to know Jesus because of your faith and your faithfulness to declare this belongs to God. I believe that this is going to be a season for you as a church where you do not go quietly into your future, but you go forward, lifting up a mighty 
mighty shout of praise that is going to break down the barriers in people's lives, that is going to break the bondage over people's lives, where, the, where your church is going to step into a time of transformation, and it's going to be transformative, where this church begins to shake the ground of this city and this region and this nation, and I believe that God is going to use you as a church to reach more people than ever before, to serve more people than ever before, to care for people better than ever before, to reach families like never before, to be influential like never before, a defining year, a banner year for you as a church where you declare this belongs to God, not because of our strength, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, because he is good, because he is making a way, and because this belongs to God. Come on, I don't know what it is that you're facing in your life right now. Whatever that might be, can you do me a favor? Can you just hold that in your mind for a second? And can you begin to declare over that, this belongs to God, whatever it looks like right now. This belongs to God. This sickness in my life, this belongs to God. This setback belongs to God. This addiction, this belongs to God. These kids, this belongs to God. My marriage, this belongs to God. This anxiety, this belongs to God. This depression, this belongs belongs to God. That heartache, this belongs to God. That house that I'm believing for, this belongs to God. Whatever it is that's going on, this belongs to God. Make it your declaration to, today as you leave this place, as you wake up every single morning this week, wake up and declare, this day belongs to God. Use me today, Lord. Here I am. Send me whatever it is. I am. I want to be faithful to what you're calling me to do. This belongs to God. Stop trying to force it and make it work according to your own strength. Give it up to him. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. This belongs to God. Remember the words of Proverbs that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your, on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Come on, if you believe it, why don't you put your hands together this morning and thank Jesus. We can all stand up to our feet. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.